0: Good morning. Awesome. Hey, welcome to your last day of 2017. If you think that this year went by way too fast, raise your hand. I think all of us, it was really rough this weekend thinking back, how are we about to have to start writing 2018 on things all? Oh, oh, it's just, I'm not good at that. And so I fear it. Um, but this was a quick, quick year. We find ourselves this morning right in the middle of Christmas and New Year's Day. It's always an interesting time of year. Um, As soon as Christmas is over, I don't know how many of you begin to go in that reflective state. Uh, What I mean by that is thinking about all of the adventures that you went on in the previous year, thinking about all the things that were great from the previous year, uh, and maybe thinking about all the things that weren't so great the previous year. Uh, I've been living that dream for the past week or so. Um, I, I've had some moments to look back and laugh at some of the things that have happened this past year. had a moment to sit back and really, um, I don't want to say I cried about some things that happened this past year, but it's, it's not always, not every day of the year is easy. And so there are some things maybe you had to mourn over uh, this past year. Um, it's a reflective time. That's true. If you go home this afternoon, I want to prove my point. Turn on the TV and just go through the guide because you'll probably see all kinds of TV shows that are like completely dedicated to like the best moments of 2017 or the coolest things that happened in 2017. It's a reflective time of year. But through that reflection, we begin to look forward to the next year. Some of you are sitting here and you've had a terrible year and you're like, I can't wait for 2018. It can't get worse than 2017 so I know it's got to be better. Some of you are like, man, I'm going to miss 2017. It was such a great year. Uh, I hope that 2018 is better than the last, but it'd be really hard to be better than the last year. Uh, And some of you are kind of right in the middle of all of that, and you had some good moments. Maybe you had some bad moments, uh, but there's something special about the beginning of the new year. Uh, You see, it's kind of like we're gifted every single 365 days with a chance to start over or to start afresh. Maybe uh, starting tomorrow, because that is the new year, some of you are going to jump back into that diet that you started last January 1st, and you made it about two weeks before you gave up. Uh, Some of you, that was me, actually. Some of you are going to jump back into that workout program that you tried out, and it lasted you through February, maybe, realistically through Tuesday, uh, but uh, some of you are looking at all the things that you're going to start fresh, some of you are going to start saving more, some of you are going to start uh, planning to get away a little bit more often, we, we make all these goals, we call them resolutions, and it's just a way that we think to ourselves, I'm going to uh, change how the next year is, and I'm going to have a better life than the one I had before. Uh, well, if you've had any of that going on in your head, you are fortunate to be here. Here today because I'm going to share with you uh, that I have uncovered the secret to making your 2018 the best year yet. I can tell you that if you hear my words today and apply them to your life, you will have a fantastic 2018. You will have a joy-filled year and a love-filled year and a year where your relationships are better than they've ever been before. I, again, have unpacked the secrets to all of that and more. Okay, the truth is, I never unpacked any secret. I never found any secret. Uh, the truth is, is I was reading my Bible the other day. I stumbled across a scripture, uh, and it was a really cool scripture. And as I was reading that scripture, uh, which is in Second Corinthians chapter nine, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to there. Uh, I had an aha moment. Have you ever had an aha moment when you've read scriptures before? I've talked about this before, but those aha moments are when you read something in the text in the Bible, or you experience something in life, and And it's like a light bulb gets turned on. Have you had those moments before? A couple of you have. A couple of you hopefully will today. (laughs) But I had one of those aha moments this week as I was preparing for this morning uh, where it was a scripture I've read before. It's one I was very familiar with. You're probably going to be familiar with it as you turn there and look at it. Uh, But I had this aha moment, and God was telling me, hey, you know this stuff, but are you living this stuff? Because if you live this stuff, look what I'm going to do in your life. And and so this morning, I want to share with you the secret to having a great 2018. Uh, Do you have a pen and paper? Are you ready to write this down? You guys are on the edge of your seats in anticipation, so I'm not going to hold back any longer. Actually, you're all just kind of sitting back chilling, but that's okay too. But here is the secret for you to have a joy-filled 2018, a love-filled 2018, a good relationship-filled 2018. Are you ready? Two words. Write them down. Live Generously. Right? <laughs> Mind blown. And you're actually, most of you are looking at me like, okay. <laughs> it's gone crazy on us. Well, I was already crazy. So live generously. If we take these two words that we find in this scripture and we apply them to their life, there are some very interesting things that will happen and I want to read this scripture to you today. And then I want to talk about this scripture with you today and just point out all the stuff that happens when we live our lives generously. Let's read our scripture this morning. Hear the word of the Lord, starting with verse 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The point is this the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others. There's about three things that I kind of pulled out of this scripture that really I didn't pull them out. They just kind of jumped off the page at me as we were reading it. You see, Paul's writing this letter to the Corinthians, and he's approaching this topic of generosity with them, something he's talked about before, something he's talked about in depth. Uh, But he he addresses it to them in this moment, Uh, I would say from kind of a bird's eye perspective. You see, Paul knows uh, two things about generosity Uh, The first thing he knows is that it is only through the generosity of God's people that the church can really thrive the way the church needs to thrive. It's through the generosity of God's people that lives can be changed. And Paul knows that because Paul has seen that and Paul's experienced that firsthand. But Paul knows something else about generosity that he shares with us in our text this morning that might not be as familiar. But he knows that generosity brings about joy and love, and peace, and all things good. And so Paul is offering this advice or this wisdom, uh, and maybe you would even say this command to this church in Corinth, and he's saying, be generous, because so much good comes out of generosity, not just for the people you're giving to, but for yourself. And so let's take a look at these three different things that I see happen when we live generously. Uh, The first is, uh, is found in verse six. It says that we reap what we sow, basically. Uh, Verse six says, the one who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Uh, Right out of the gate, I want you to understand what I'm not saying this morning. I am not here to convince you to give all your money away. I'm not here to convince you. uh, This is not a uh, give away a bunch of money and you'll make a bunch of money kind of message. You following me? This is not what some have called a prosperity gospel message this morning that's not what I'm trying to do because being generous is so 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 much more than how you spend your money that's part of it but it's so much more than that I'm not saying those things what I am saying and what I argue that Paul is saying is that when we live generous lives that generosity is returned in some form or fashion uh Maybe it's not returned to us in the way we were generous, but it does get back to us. You reap what you sow. It's kind of the way the world works, isn't it? Let me simplify it down, and you'll see that. Uh, Really basic here, when you are really nice to someone, they're really nice to you. When you're really mean to someone, they're really mean back to you. You uh, reap what you sow. And so, as Christians, as people who confess that Jesus is Lord, as people who call him our King, our lives are to be lived generously. And there's just something about the way the world works that you reap what you sow. And so, when you live a generous life, generosity finds its way back to you. Think about that. It just works. I don't know how it works. But it works. Again, I'm not saying give away a bunch of money so you can get a bunch of money. But what I am saying is when you are generous, people will be generous to you. And you will reap the benefits of generosity. And maybe some of you sitting here today can testify to that. I know I can. And I know that many of you can because I've heard your stories. But as Paul says, and as Jesus had said, uh, you reap what you sow. And so reap, or sow generously. Sow generosity. Be generous people. Uh, The cool thing here is, if you look at this in the terms of relationships, I promise you I had the key to relationships. Generosity is so important to relationships. When you are generous in a relationship, and that other person you're in the relationship with is generous back to you, the cool thing is, everybody's needs are being met. Everyone is receiving generosity. And it's in those moments that you can really develop a solid, good relationship When we take the time and make the sacrifices to be generous. I dare you to try it this year. I double dog dare you to try it this year. Second thing that Paul tells us uh, is that our attitudes matter. When we live generous lives, he warns us about being generous reluctantly or out of compulsion, but instead he tells us to give out of thankfulness in this verse that you hear every now and then. God loves a cheerful giver is mentioned. God loves a cheerful giver, and uh, he continues to say that when we give with thanksgiving our, in our hearts, we'll be blessed, uh, that we'll be full of joy, that a more accurate translation of this passage, if you really break down the, the, the Greek uh, language that this was originally written in, it says, you will have an abundance of grace in your life. When you give cheerfully, when you are cheerfully generous, you'll have an abundance of grace because God loves a cheerful giver. Your needs will be met when you are generous. You will be taken care of when you are generous. God loves a cheerful giver. That word love there is the word that we know, agape, but it's the verb form, which is agapeo. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but you can just, you know, think that I did. Agapeo, the verb form of the word agape. This is the action behind the love. This is love in action. God loves a cheerful giver. And the way that I translate that is God takes care of. A cheerful giver. If you go on to read the later in this scripture in verses 11 and 12, he talks about when you give, you will have an abundance. And he doesn't say you'll have an abundance so you can hold on to that abundance and keep it for yourself. But when you give cheerfully, God will provide. Why? So that you can keep giving generously and you get in this cycle of generous living. And then what's crazy is God continues to provide in your life through things like joy, and love, and grace, and he begins to fulfill your life in ways that you could not even imagine. Live generously. Be thankful as you give. The third and final thing I want to pull out of the scripture this morning is that when we live generously, look at what happens, and this is probably the key to everything, and this is probably the most important part of why we do what we do when we live generously. Verse 13 says, Through the testing of this ministry, or basically when you put this generosity into practice, you glorify God. When you live generously, you glorify God. I want you to think about this one. And I want you to think about who God is and who God has been to you and who God has been throughout all of Scripture. Generosity is part of the very nature of our God. Read the Bible, and you'll see it everywhere. God is a giving God. He is constantly giving to the needs of his people. He's, he's giving and giving and giving and giving, and the crazy thing is he gives and he is generous uh, even when we don't deserve it. You'll read that in scriptures, and maybe you've experienced that in your life. In fact, almost all of the times we see God's generosity is when we don't deserve it because we just don't deserve it. But God is a generous God. And when we reflect his generosity in our own lives and we live generously, God is glorified. And isn't that the goal of Christianity, of who we are and who we worship, to glorify our God and to point people towards him? Think about it this way. Uh, The world that we live in is not a giving world all of the time. The people we encounter uh, in the world sometimes are not very giving or generous people. More often than not, you run into situations where people will take and take and take and use you maybe to get what they want out of life. That's not generosity. That's the opposite of generosity. That's selfishness. And that's what the world is used to. And so when we, the church, God's people, leave this building and live generously, people notice. Because that's not how the world works. The world is not a generous place. The world world is a cruel place. And so as we take generosity that we have received from God into the world in which we live and live generously, people notice, and that is how we can help change lives. Because people will see your generosity and they'll think, that doesn't make sense to me. Why are you being so generous? Why are you helping me out here whenever this is helping me out, not helping you out? In fact, it's putting a burden on you. Why are you doing these things? And it's in those moments that you can introduce people to the same God who changed your life. I want to ask this question, and I don't know if it's a fair question. When was the last time you led someone to Jesus? Some of you have done great, and you're like, man, last week. Some of you are like, ooh, (laughs) it's been a while. You want to make that part of your ministry a little bit easier? Live generously. Because when you live generously, people are going to want to know why you're living generously. And it's in those moments when they say, why did you do this for me? or Why did you do this for that person? that you have an opportunity to share with them about a God who is generous and a God who loves them and a God who can change their lives and bring joy to their lives, not just yours. Live generously because it glorifies God. It's who we are. We are God's people, and we should reflect his image wherever we go. Live generously. So we've talked about the why we live generously. Now, let's spend a minute talking about the how and in what aspects we can live generously. Um, I've used the word generosity and generous a whole lot this morning, and I'm going to use it a whole lot more. So maybe I should take a moment to explain what generosity is. This is like the dictionary definition of generosity. Uh, Give more than is necessary or expected. To be generous, you give more than is necessary or expected. Expected. Generosity is giving above and beyond what we are expected to give. And so let's look at how we might do that. And I want to start with the obvious one, the one that I said I wasn't going to spend a lot of time on. Uh, but we do need to talk about for a moment, be generous with your money. No amens there. That's cool, though. Be generous with your money. Give beyond what is expected. If you see a financial need that you can meet, give. Give generously. Uh, But be careful here. And I say be careful here not because of why you might think I say be careful here. Not because you shouldn't give give away all your money. You should be stewards. But I'm saying be careful here because one thing that I've seen in the church, not this church, but in church in general, nobody here would do this. But one thing I've seen in church is that people give generously with their money as an excuse to not give generously elsewhere. I've seen a lot of people that will just kind of throw money at situations and kind of check that off their generosity list and not live generously elsewhere in their lives. So when you give generously with your money, be careful. If there's a need and you can meet it, definitely do that. But giving generously with our finances is not an excuse to not give generously elsewhere in our lives. Be generous with what you make. It is good to give, so do that. Uh, Be generous with your time. This is probably way more difficult for most of us than giving with our money. Be generous with your time. Uh, We can always find a way to get more money and give more money, but time is something that is limited in our life, and so it's more precious, and I would say it's more valuable. But be generous with your time. Volunteer somewhere. Take time out of your day to help someone. Mow someone's yard if they aren't able to. Probably wait until the springtime to do that. Maybe I should say shovel someone's driveway or something like that. But help people with what you've been given. If you have time, even if you don't have time, sometimes you need to make time to go out and to be generous and to help Others Volunteer uh, at a church. Maybe there's an idea. Volunteer at some of the shelters we have. Volunteer at some of the food banks we have in our community. Give of your time to people. Be generous with your time. Bake someone cookies. Take a teenager out for coffee. Go to one of their basketball games. Uh, Go to one of our kids' music programs. Uh, It is amazing how much lives can be changed when you're generous with your time and when you show up to other people's situations. Be generous with your time. Help each other out. If one of your friends or family members or church members is in the hospital, give up a few minutes to go and visit them and pray with them. If you know that they can't get out of the house, go take care of them. Go help them out. Give of your time. Don't be selfish with your time. There's no room in the kingdom of God for selfishness. You won't find Jesus telling you to be selfish anywhere in scripture. This is not part of the kingdom of God. Now don't think that Pastor Doug is telling you to not take care of yourself because you need to take care of yourself and you need a time of Sabbath. He does tell us to take that, but be generous with your time and God will bless you. Can I tell you one thing? The reason I'm standing even before you today is because when I was a teenager, making all kinds of really poor choices, there were people in my church who were generous with their time. And they invited me over to have dinner with them. And they took me out to get a soda. And they just said, Doug, I love you. I care about you. Let's spend time together. If it weren't for those people, I don't know where I'd be. Be generous with your time and watch how God works will use you. Last thing here, be generous with your talents. Uh, We are all good at something. Some of you are like, I'm not good at anything. Well, yeah, you are. You're good at complaining. Okay, Uh, be generous with your talents. We all have something to give, and we all have something to offer. We all have hobbies. We can all do something. Be generous with those things I'll share with you here at this church one Wednesday night Uh, I was the recipient of someone being generous with their talents it was Wednesday night after church I got in my car I went to leave the parking lot and I was living over there and I uh, halfway through uh down McClure my car breaks down and just stops right in the middle of the road and 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 I don't know what to do in those situations (laughs) you've known me long enough to know that I don't know much about cars I know how to turn them on and push the pedal on the gas and go places and that's about the extent of it uh So I'm sitting there like, I have no idea what to do. But there were some men in this church who loved cars and liked to work on cars. And in that moment, they were generous with their talents because they drove out down to McClure to meet me and they helped me turn my car around and they helped me push my car back to the parking lot here. They uh, figured out that the problem was that I had a bad alternator. I don't know what that means, but they knew what that means because that's where they're gifted and that's where they're talented. And so they took me to buy the alternator and then they took me to help install the alternator so I could save all kinds of money from having to pay someone else to do it. Uh, These men gave up their time and they used their talents to be generous. And here's the craziest part of all of that. As much as I was thankful for what they were doing for me, do you know what really blessed me? Watching them work on my car. Because when you're generous with your talents, it brings joy to your life. And I watched as these men were working on my car, it was when I had that little Chevy Aveo, and I think they were just making fun of me and my car the whole time, but they had big smiles on their faces, and they were joking around, having a good time, and it was so fulfilling to me to see that as they were giving generously, they were being filled with joy. I'm so thankful for the people I've given generously out of their talents in my life. Uh, I was thinking, and I'll brag on my wife here for a second, My wife loves to crochet. I don't know if anybody knew that about my wife, but she was listening to the radio one day and she heard a commercial for an organization. This was back several years ago when we were first married about... A group that was knitting and crocheting hats and blankets to send overseas to, uh, I don't remember what country it was, but a country that just did not have good facilities uh, for women to have their babies. And so they were shipping these blankets and these hats over there. And my wife was very touched by this because she loved to crochet. And so she just said, hey, I'm going to start doing this. Truthfully, financially, where we were in that time, we didn't have money necessarily to give over to that project, but she had talents to give. And so like every night for like three months as we sat down before we go to bed to watch TV or after dinner we sat down or whatever we were doing, she was always sitting there just kind of crocheting these hats and these blankets to ship over to this organization. She used her talents and um, she sat there the whole time while she was crocheting these things and she just had this little smile on her face and I remember that smile because it was a joy-filled smile because when we use our talents... Because when we use our time and because when we use our finances to live generously, we are in turn filled with joy and we experience love. Uh, before we close, I want to share a story about what really taught me about generosity. Because I had a unique experience um, when I was, it was about 2007, I was a junior in college, and I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic, and it was on that mission trip that I learned about true generosity from a little Dominican boy who, uh, I don't remember his name. I don't remember much about him. I remember he had a bowl cut, so my man, you know, that's a sweet haircut, but, uh, he taught me about generosity, and I'm so thankful to this day. I'll tell you about the trip. Um, We flew down there. We drove up into the middle of the mountains. This wasn't like Dominican Republic that you go to on vacation or honeymoons or anything like that. This was like in the middle of the mountains. Uh, It it was a pretty poor part of the country. Uh, But as we're down there working on this little church in the mountains, um, it's hot. And uh, when you're doing like hard manual labor in the heat, you can get grumpy pretty quickly and you can get frustrated with each other easily. Um, we're experiencing all of that. And then some, uh, we're having a good time, but just the work and the heat was just like, okay, all right, we just got to do this. Uh, we were not being generous. We were giving what we were expected to give is basically what I'm saying, our whole group. And uh, we got to a point near the end of our trip where um, we ran out of supplies to complete a project that we were working on. And so we sat down one night before we went to bed and uh, we were sitting around the table and I remember like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We don't have any more money to do this. We don't have any trip money left. Somebody suggested, hey, why don't we all chip in and uh, just see what we have? And, you know, like, we'll chip in some of our souvenir money and all that kind of stuff and then we'll see where we're at and maybe we can buy the rest of the supplies we need to finish the project. And like, when I heard that, I was like, oh no. (laughs) I worked really hard to go on this trip. I didn't have the money to go on the trip, so I had to like save up and save up and save up, and I sold half of my DVD collection in college just to have money to go on this trip. So I invested what I thought was a lot of efforts to go on this trip, and I was gonna come back home with some souvenirs, okay? Like, I know it sounds so selfish, and truthfully, it was so selfish, uh, but in that moment, as I'm dealing with just the issues of going on a mission trip and being uncomfortable and being tired and being sore, I mean, I was thinking this way. I was like, I'll give a couple bucks, but that'll probably be the extent of it for me. Uh, So they said, you know, hey, by the end of the workday tomorrow, however, whatever's in this cup, we'll just go and see what we can afford to buy. So we did that. Uh, Wake up the next morning, go into work. Uh, We work all day. The team that I was a part of was, uh, it was our job to dig a trench from the church down to the street because I guess they were tapping into the, the sewer line. It's, it was very, you know, poverty-stricken areas. So they did what they had to do uh, in the mountains of the Dominican Republic. You're dealing with some pretty rocky soil. Um, It's not like you just take a shovel and, oh, that was easy. No, you're like a pickaxe, and you're just trying to break up the rocks so that you can shovel them out to dig your trench. This this is hard work. Um, As the day was going on, uh, afternoon came, and there was something that happened every afternoon. When school let out, the school was just down the road, all of the kids from the neighborhood would run up to the church and just hang out. Uh, They did this even when we weren't there. That's kind of what this church's ministry was, just a place for the kids to come and have a safe place to play and goof off and learn about Jesus. Uh, But the fact that we were there um, made it even more exciting for them. And so, uh, you know, every day when you hear the school bell ring and you just look up and all these kids come rushing in, it was really fun for the first three days. But on this day, I was like dreading that moment because I was like, I just want to be done with this ditch and I just want to move on and do something else. And, you know, I want to have the fun day because we had a fun day planned. All that kind of stuff was going through my mind. And so um, I was really honestly just kind of dreading that moment when I heard that school bell because I just wanted to get the job done. uh, And the school bell rang. And when the school bell rings, you just hear all the screams of the kids, happy to be free. <laughs> you know what I mean? You probably hear it here in Columbus, too. Uh, and then you hear all the thuds of them running up that dirt road. And then you look up and you see just this flood of children coming into the church. Uh, the boy who lived next door to the church was the little, my little friend with the bowl cut. His house, right next door, consisted of three tin walls and a roof that just kind of slanted over the top of it. His source of water on a regular basis was an old rusty 55-gallon drum that sat in the yard and collected whatever rainwater that they had. You want to talk about a kid who lived his life in poverty? This was this kid. Most of their food came from like the two chickens that they had that ran around the yard and into the neighbor's yards and stuff. They didn't have a lot of stuff. This kid really didn't have anything. You could tell by the shoes that he was wearing, which were barely hanging on to his feet, that this was a kid living in what we call poverty. You could tell by the school uniform that he had that was old and torn, and it just didn't look like it was in good shape, that this kid didn't have a whole lot. So this kid runs up to us after school that day. And in his hand, he had a bunch of these little dum-dums. Little bitty suckers. They weren't actually dum-dums, but it's the closest thing I could find here. This kid had scrounged up everything he had. Everything he had. And he went to the little market on the corner. And he bought every single person in our team a dum-dum. He walked around to every person in our team with this handful of dum-dums. He just walked up to you, and he took one out, and he held it up to you, and my first reaction was to take the dum-dum and say, hey, thanks, that's so awesome, thank you so much, put it in my pocket and get back to work. This little kid would not let me do that. He made me take the sucker, and he made me, he just stood there like like this, just kind of smiling, right? He didn't speak the same language I did. I didn't understand what he was saying, but I figured it out. He wanted me to eat the sucker, and he wasn't going to leave until I ate the sucker, But here's something about that kid. I've never seen such a big smile in my life. I've never seen such pure joy in my life. This little kid understood what it meant to live generously more than I ever had. And I looked at that kid, I grabbed that lollipop, tried to figure out what he was saying, didn't understand, but got the picture, so I started eating the lollipop, and more than just tasting like a strawberry sucker, you could almost taste the joy. You could almost taste the love that went into getting that little sucker and the sacrifice it took to give to us. That's the best sucker I've ever had in my life. I've tried to reinterpret that situation, but these things don't taste very good. But in that moment, seeing that joy on that little boy's face changed my life. Because there I was complaining that I had to sell all my DVDs so that I could go on this trip. There I was doing the exact amount of work required to get the job done. Nothing about that trip for me was generous. I was just doing what I needed to do. I wasn't happy. I mean, I was happy, but I wasn't like him happy. I was glad to be there. I was glad to help. But I saw in his face something that I wanted. More than money. More than stuff. Guys, I had stuff. I was going to school at the time. I had a roof over my head and four walls surrounding me. I had a meal every single day at every single meal and I knew exactly where it was coming from. Never had to worry about it not being there. Way more than this kid ever had. But this kid had so much more than I ever had. And you could tell by the look in his eyes and the smile on his face. And I decided in that moment, ah, I'm changing things. I'm going to live generously just like this little boy. Because he's got something that I don't have. And I want it. When you live a life of generosity, you will experience joy and love and a fulfillment like you've never experienced in your life. Live generously. You want to have a great 2018? Start there. Live generously. I kind of decided, like, how do I close this thing? I think Nathan's got a song. Is that right? Nathan's got a song. I'm going to invite him to come up at this time, and I want to challenge you this way. Figure out how you're going to live generously this next year. Figure out what it is that you're going to give. And don't just give out of obligation. And don't just give the minimum that you feel like you have to give before you are, you know, checking off the box of, hey, I'm giving. No. Live generously. Understand that this life and your skills and your talents and your money and all that you are is not your own. They belong to someone else. We sang songs about how Jesus is king. Let's prove it today and this year by being generous with the things that he's blessed us with. And so I invite you to stand up. If you want to come to the altar and and maybe you just have something you're hanging on to that you wanna give over to God generously, that's fine. The song that we're gonna sing, I think, points to this idea of submitting to him and letting him have his way in us. So if you're not gonna come and pray, I just invite you to stand there and to sing. Uh, Would you pray real quick? Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your gifts of generosity that you have made so evident to us so much in our lives. And Father, as we look to change our lives and to live more generously and to be who you've called us to be, uh, would you give us the strength and the wisdom and the courage and the power and everything that we need to accomplish that? We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.